Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Good evening, everyone. This is your call to worship for for our spiritual enrichment retreat and revival designed to minister to our spirit, soul, and body. Our theme, God's eternal plan for his people. Our key scripture is found in Isaiah 57, verses 14 through 15. And it reads, and it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the, of the contrite. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black, Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve and encourage targeted, treasured individuals in North America and around the world. We are here to strengthen, rebuild, and help those who seek to have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for choosing to attend our spiritual enrichment retreat and revival. Your presence is very important to us. We pray that something is said or done during the service and workshops that will encourage you. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. Amen. Our special guests this evening are our keynote speaker, Minister Dr. Patrick Oben with Patrick Oben Ministries, who will deliver our preach word this evening. Our psalmist will be Chaplain Mary Jane Coleman. Our serving team this evening is Sister Cheryl Miller Harvey, who will serve as our Zoom moderator and give the invitation to discipleship. And I am Sharon Taylor, and I will serve as your worship leader this evening, as well as offer the prayer for tonight. Our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black, will introduce our keynote speaker and offer the benediction and closing remarks. Please remember, to pray for our spiritual retreat and revival, that God will minister to us individually and collectively. Pray for refuge from the Storm Church and members. Pray for the worldwide church. Pray for our families and our friends. Pray for targeted treasured individuals worldwide, advocacy groups and activist groups. Pray for those who are in countries 
torn by war and under dictatorial regimes, and pray for our children and the elderly. Thank you for your attention. We will now have an opening song from our psalmist, Chaplain Mary Jane Coleman. And please remember, if there is any background noise where you are, please remember to mute your phone. After our psalmist, Chaplain Mary Jane Coleman, gives us her song that the Lord has given to her, I will return with our scripture reading. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, so this is when the tabernacle was finished. The building was completed. Everything was done. 34 says, then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. When that tabernacle is completed, just imagine this glory. The Israelites, they saw the, the, uh, the, the glory of God as a cloud. They saw the glory of the Lord as fire. And when the, the tabernacle was built and completed, behold, they saw this cloud that has been behind them. It just filled the house. Just imagine thick cloud, heavenly cloud filling the temple, a building. And it says the priest could not even get in because the glory was heavy in the house. That was the father telling man, this is my desire. I've been looking forward to this day. It's my pleasure. It is my desire. When Solomon built the temple, we see that in, you know, Second Kings, I would see that in Chronicles, the same event took place. The same incidents occurred. The Bible says once the temple was completed, Solomon was about to dedicate it. In that dedication service, the glory of the Lord as a cloud filled the temple. And Solomon and the priests could not get into the temple because the Lord's desire had been fulfilled. Yet that was the Old Testament. It was just a shadow of what God really wanted. He, his, his purpose was to dwell on the earth as he spoke in Ezekiel 37. I will live among them. I will dwell among them. I will be your God and they shall be my people. He's always wanted to leave heaven and come and dwell on the earth to such an extent that even the angels that said, what is man that you are mindful of him? Why do you leave heaven and desire the earth where humans live? Yet it is the father's desire to live and be with us. What a blessing. What a blessing. And he spoke through the prophets. He said, the glory of this later house will be far, exceed, it will be exceedingly abundantly above the glory of the former. He's talking about what later house? You know, the father is spirit. He is spirit. He doesn't dwell in a building per se as we do as humans. The father's house is not a house, physical house. His house is his people. He's shown that all across the scriptures, that his dwelling place 
the building, the temple in the Old Testament was simply a temporary measure. He was looking forward to the day that humanity would be able to contain him. His pleasure when the temple was completed was only temporary. It was a shadow. It was a shadow. In fact, Peter, speaking by the Spirit, he said, the, the, the prophets of old, the Spirit of the Lord gave them insight, prophetic insight into what was coming. And they were so amazed at this. They asked the Lord, what time is it? When is this going to occur? Please show us just a little bit of it. And do you know what the Lord told them? It is not for you. Do you know who those prophets are? That's Isaiah. That's Moses. That's Jeremiah. The great prophets we read about. Do you remember Moses saying, Lord, show me your glory? What was Moses asking for? What did the Lord tell him? It's not for you. That's what Peter was talking about. Moses knew that the law was only a temporary measure, that there is something about this God that is beyond the law. He was saying, Lord, show me your glory. This is a guy who saw, you know, God come down on Mount Sinai in fire, saw God's glory. He saw God writing on a tablet of stone. And yet he asked the Lord, Lord, show me your glory. He recognized that it was something else beyond what he had said. And the Lord was looking forward to you and to me. Moses and the, the Jews in the Old Testament, they couldn't contain him because sin had not yet been dealt with. For the Father's purpose to be fulfilled, for him to dwell amongst his people, for him to dwell amongst us, we had to be redeemed. We had to be pulled out. Sin had kept humanity in bondage, set, you know, the, the satanic hold that we were kept under, bound under eternal darkness, heading to destruction. We had to be redeemed. That is where it all started. And since the Father is spirit, he dwells in us. He is not going to come, you know, and come and live amongst us as, uh, you know, you'll be walking around and you say, oh, that's God. That's not the way he's going to do it. It's the most fabulous and the most, you know, the most wonderful of all things that he's ever done. Creation, indeed, the first creation was only a shadow of what the father was going to do. So what did he do? I'll go back to a scripture, Isaiah 43 and verse 1. It says, but now thus saith the Lord, who, who created you, O Jacob, the one who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. He began by redemption. He began, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. What did the father do? He wanted to come in and in the mystery of his workings to live on the earth, dwell on the earth, not as God, but in his people, that he will be seen not as God, but he will be seen as his people. 
Oh, what a beautiful thing. John chapter number one, let me read that to just show you the fulfillment of what the father really wanted to do. Fulfilling his eternal purpose. And that is going to be fulfilled through redemption, through renewal, through restoration. John chapter number one, this, you know, beautiful text. Chapter one and verse 14. Shall all of us know this scripture by heart. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, that same glory, the Shekinah glory that filled the temple. They beheld that glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus was conceived as a man and born, that was the father fulfilling his desire. The Bible says he, Jesus, in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. God didn't desire to live in a building. Jesus says sacrifices and offerings that wouldest not, but a body has thou prepared for me. When Jesus was born, that was Shekinah dwelling amongst human beings. And the people saw Jesus, unfortunately, sadly, they didn't have the spirit of the Lord like you and I do today. You know, it's easier when you look back and say, oh, how wonderful would it have been to see Jesus walking on the streets? I'm sure those guys had a blast. Do you know what? They did not know that that was the father walking amongst them in a man. It's easier for us today to look back and say, that was wonderful. Their eyes opened when the Holy Ghost came. And, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead, I'm like, oh my God, this is not just a Jewish rabbi. And then when the Holy Ghost came, their eyes opened. The Bible says, Jesus breathed on them. It says, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost came, he came with light. Out of a sudden, the scriptures came alive that the Father has fulfilled his desire in sending Christ as the tabernacle upon which he would dwell. So Jesus is the embodiment of God on the earth. You remember once Philip came to him and Philip told him, Lord, show us the Father and it will suffice us. You know what he was saying? Lord, we want to see the Father. What Philip was saying was exactly what Moses said in Exodus 32 and 33. Lord, show me your glory. That's what Philip asked Jesus. Show us the Father. It's every human being's desire to see the Father. We all hunger, Lord, show us your glory. Show us your face. And then what did Jesus tell Philip? He said, Philip, just like he can say to you today, like, Patrick, have I been so long with you and you haven't known who I am? Oh, glory to God. Have you been walking with me so long, so many years, and yet you do not know who I am? He says, whoever has seen me, I've seen the Father. Shekinah 
was no longer dwelling in a building. Shekinah was now dwelling in a man. They didn't see the fire of God burning on the head of Jesus. Nobody saw that. He saw he, he gave his apostles the grace once in a while to see his glory. For example, the mountain of transfiguration. They walked with Jesus, the same human Jesus that went to this mountain. And what happened? Out of a sudden, they saw who, they saw who he really was. They looked at him like, this is not a Jesus we came, to, came with to this mountain. His face was like the sun, the sun shining in brightness. His clothing changed. And that was the same Jesus in glory that John saw in the book of Revelation chapter 1. That same Jesus, the glory of the Lord. And in Revelations, the Lord tells us that in the temple, you know, when he will come, there is no temple there. There is no light. There is no sun. He says the lamb, the lamb of God is the light. He is the glory of God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2 tells us he is the radiance of God's glory. The light that they were seeing in the Old Testament, that bright light, that light is Jesus. He's the radiance of the glory of the Father. But when he was walking as a man, nobody saw any light around him. Colossians chapter number two. Let me read this beautiful scripture. You know, just as I drive drivers and just leaders to see how the Father has fulfilled in desire, not with us, but in us. His eternal purpose of dwelling on the earth, fulfilled in the mystery of Christ. Colossians chapter number two and verse two. So that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full on assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. I'm reading from the ESV. And he says, what is this mystery? Which is Christ. The mystery of God. The eternal plan of God is hidden in Christ. He is the mystery and the plan of God. So when Jesus showed up, he showed up as a man, a single man called Jesus. In him was dwelling the fullness of God. Whoever saw Jesus had seen the Father. What is the glory of the Lord that will fill the earth? It is not as if you're going to see some bright light or some fire filling the earth. He's talking about the presence of God, the person of God filling all things, all things. God fills all things in all. You know, as our sister Sharon was praying, he fills all in all. In him we move, in him we live. He's the fullness. Father's purpose is for him to fill heaven and earth. The Father's purpose is for him to fill every crack and crevice of humanity, every portion of the earth filled with the presence of God. I want you to go back to Eden. Imagine for a second how Adam and Eve lived. 
They never desire to say, Father, show us your presence. The atmosphere of the earth, the garden was saturated with God's presence. Every, he filled every single thing, all the trees, all the inanimate objects. He filled heaven and earth completely. His presence was everywhere. You know, you go to church on a Sunday morning and maybe during a time of worship, you have a glimpse of God's presence. You're like, oh, this is beautiful. Listen, this is just a shadow of the things that Adam had in the garden. He didn't have it for 20 minutes during worship or during your prayer time. He had it day in, day out, 24-7, the fullness of the presence of God. Yet, he was not the best of it all. Yet what Adam had was not the best of it all. Imagine, you know, going back to Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden and being there with the presence of the Lord. You get up in the morning, you don't have to call upon the Lord. His presence fills every part of your being. His presence fills every part of your mind, your emotions your will, your desires. That is what the glory is. The glory is the manifestation of the presence and the power of God. The glory is the revelation of God, the person of God. Jesus was the revelation of the glory of God. He was the express image of the person of God. In other words, when you looked at Jesus, you had seen the Father, because in him dwelleth the fullness of God. And Jesus was a man. So what did the Father do? In the mysteries of his working, he now brought humanity and baptized humanity to become one with Jesus. When Jesus died, he was buried. He rose from the grave. And then he ascended to heaven. He was Jesus, a man. He was just Jesus, one man. But God had a plan. His plan was to make Jesus the Christ as a body. Where Jesus, the man, becomes the head. And we are the body. And that body and his head is one man, one body that is going to be filled with one spirit. The Holy Ghost, when God looks at the earth, he sees one man, not two, not three. He sees Jesus, his son. And when he sees his son, he sees his glory. When he sees us, he doesn't just see you. He sees Jesus, the Christ. And he sees you in him. You see how I'm taking you step by step to see the father fulfilling his purposes. Jesus was the manifestation of the glory of the Lord on the earth. In him dwelleth the fullness of God. But he was a man. He was Jesus, one man. He was Christ as one man. Then he resurrected, went to heaven. And then God began it, a, a, a process of baptizing humanity into Christ. In other words, you become part of the body of Christ. 
Think about it, the body. Jesus is a man. He has a head, he has hands, he has a body, right? However, Jesus the Christ, the man, he is no longer just a man. We have become his flesh and his bones. In other words, he has replicated himself. The same Shekinah that was born in John 1.14 has been replicated as a body. And you, in fact, in Colossians, you know, when he says that, you know, in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, he continues and says, you are complete in him. It doesn't really come out, the sense doesn't come out in the King James Version, because it's not really complete. The idea is not complete. If you read, for example, the ESV, the sense really comes out. What is the Lord saying there? That you are also filled in him in the same way that the Father filled Jesus with the fullness of God. He says, that is how you are filled in him. God has made you part and parcel of Christ, the man. You are his body, his flesh, and his bones. For Christ to do that, we had to be redeemed. When the word of God goes out, the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. When God created Adam and Eve, the Bible says in Genesis 2 verse 7, God created Adam from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And Adam became a living soul. In the New Testament, it's a different story. In the New Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 44, he tells us the first man was made a living soul. That was Adam in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. But he says the second man, the last Adam, you and me who are in him, we were made a quickening spirit. A quickening spirit. God had to redeem us, to baptize us into his son. His son is the mystery. So when the word of God comes into a human being, that is a sinner. You know how all of us received the word of God, right? When we were still lost. When that word came into you, the same word that created Adam in Genesis 2 verse 7, recreated you when you heard it. You said, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, you know. Immediately you said that. The word of the Lord came into you and did what it did to Adam. He created Adam by the word. That same word came into you and the Bible says you become a new creature. Since uh, uh, the human spirit was in bondage, in darkness of sin and satanic oppression. He, he had to redeem us first. It is impossible to serve God in bondage. We can't. The Father begins by redeeming us. In fact, he spoke of Israel. He said he brought them out that he might bring them in. Why did he bring them out? You can't serve God in Egypt. We can't serve God faithfully, effectively, when we are still servants of sin and satanic oppression and servants slaves of sin and behaviors and, and you know, things that choke the, the life of God in us. He begins by redemption. He begins by redemption. 
We have to be redeemed, redeemed and free and liberated from everything that has kept us in bondage. That is what happened when that engrafted word came in your spirit. The Bible says the old man was crucified with Christ. A new spirit came alive inside of you. You are now a new creature, like Adam was, because he had, he had recreated you. He has given, you know, created a new person, a new man, a new woman, like he did in Genesis 2, verse 7. But if the Lord had ended there, we would have been like Adam. If the Lord just created you and I, and we all oh, have got a new spirit, if the Lord had ended there, we would have been like Adam and Eve before the fall. You would have been wonderful. You know, we're liberated from sin. We're redeemed from satanic oppression. This is wonderful. We are saved. But that is not his plan. He had something better than the days of Adam and Eve. The Bible says the first man was made a living soul, but the second man was made a quickening spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter you know, 6, verse 17, the Bible tells us there that if any man is joined to the Lord, he is one spirit with him. What is God's intention? His plan has always been to dwell on the earth in his people. When Jesus came, he was a fulfillment of that plan. However, he was just a man. And when he went back to heaven, he sent the Holy Ghost. He, he, it was almost as if he said, go and bring children. Fill my house. Fill my house. So when we are born again, something else mysterious, wonderful happens. The Bible says that the spirit of the living God becomes one with our spirit. He that is born of the flesh is flesh. And he that is born of the spirit, Adam wasn't born of the spirit. What does it mean for you to be born of the spirit? The spirit of the Lord gives birth to you as a child of God. Meaning the spirit of the Lord becomes one with your spirit. The nature of God becomes implanted in your human nature. In other words, you are not just a human being, yet you're still a human being. You have become one with God, mysteriously united with Christ. God can tell the difference between you and Jesus. In other words, you have been baptized into the body of Christ. This Holy Ghost has come into you. You are not just, you are not just a new creature. You are a child of God. Why? Because the, the seed of God's word and the nature of God, his spirit, has been put in your heart. So your redemption wasn't just separating you and freeing you from sin. When the Father came and delivered us, 
He didn't just set us free from sin and restore us like, oh, finally, I've delivered them from demonic oppression. I've delivered them from sin, from the curse that is on the earth. And that's wonderful. No. The father came and fulfilled his longing, which was to dwell on the earth. I will dwell among them. I will live among them and I will be their God and they will always see my face. Oh, glory to God. And how did it fulfill that? The Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter number two, on the day of Pentecost. Oh, glory to God. The Holy Ghost came. He is the spirit of Jesus. He is the spirit of Jesus. The Jesus that went to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father came. He says, I will come back to you. I will send another, I'll pray the father. He should send another comforter. Jesus was a comforter. You know how Isaiah called him the comforter. Isaiah chapter number nine, verse six. But when the Holy Ghost came, that was Jesus coming. In fact, as I usually write in the devotional, it's so beautiful. The Jesus that dwells in your heart. It's not Jesus, just Jesus the man. Jesus the man has a body. He's in heaven. The Jesus that came into your heart that you say, oh, Christ is in me. That Christ is the Holy Ghost. The Shekinah glory that Israel saw upon the temple. The Shekinah glory that they saw as a cloud. The Shekinah glory that is saw as fire. The beautiful glory. Hallelujah. The, that beautiful glory of the Lord that the Father always wanted to be on the earth. That glory. Oh, dear Lord. That day you received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Shekinah came and dwelt in you. It was a, just imagine, picture this cloud, heavenly cloud like they saw in the tabernacle. It filled the tabernacle. You were baptized into Christ on that day. The glory of the Lord filled your life as the cloud filled the temple because you are the temple of the living God. Manifest presence of the Lord came into you. And who is that glory? The Holy Ghost. Shekinah came and dwelt in you. You see how the Father, one step at a time, fulfilling his desire, I will dwell among them. And how is he dwelling among us? As the Holy Ghost. He is the spirit of the Father. The wonderful spirit of the Father. So on that fateful day that you became born again, you got filled with the Holy Ghost. That was the first time you got filled with the Spirit. And what happened to you is akin, is similar to what happened on the day the temple was built and completed. The glory of the Lord filled the house. There is glory inside of you. And just as Jesus was walking on the earth, Nobody saw fire on his head. You don't need to see some fire on your head 
to know the glory of the Lord is in you. You don't need to see, you don't need to feel some bubbling in your spirit. Jesus was walking as normal as any human being, yet he was the manifest glory of the Lord, Shekinah, walking amongst men. Yet they did not know because their eyes were blinded. You know, you know, Paul speaking about this glory in 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, one of my favorite scriptures. I so love this scripture, chapter number 18. He says, we all with open faces beholding as in a glass, as in a glass, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We are changed as we are looking upon that glory. We are changed to become like he is. You know, if you read that verse, you, if you read it and compare different translations, you see that Bible scholars, they have a little difficulty. Is it talking about reflecting the glory of the Lord or just beholding that glory? It really is beholding. You can study it. It's a beautiful passage. What do you see when you look at a mirror? Oh, yeah. It says, we all with open face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Oh. You are looking at a mirror and he says, you see the glory of the Lord. What do you see when you look at a mirror? You see yourself. Oh, precious saints, the Bible says we are the glory of the Lord. You're looking at a mirror. You see yourself. But he says, we are beholding us in a glass. That's in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Why are we the glory of the Lord? Because we are in Christ. We have become partakers of the divine nature. In the mystery of God's plan, he has redeemed us. And not just redeemed us, he redeemed us and united us with Christ. The Bible says that we are in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me read this beautiful, beautiful text. Oh, praise the Lord. First Corinthians chapter, you know, chapter number one. Let me get there. First Corinthians chapter number one, talking about redemption. What really happened at our redemption? Chapter number one and verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? Who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification, and redemption. He is our redemption. We are not just redeemed, but Christ is our redemption. You are his flesh and his bones. That's the reason why you look at a mirror. You see the glory of the Lord. Why? Because that glory is Jesus. And you are now his flesh, and his bones. Hallelujah. Got some, um, please mute your phone. Um, we got some noise coming. Thank you. Appreciate that. Hallelujah. So we have the glory of the Lord came into us, came into us like that. Christ is our glory. And you, have become the glory of the Lord in Christ Jesus. Why is this so important? As the people who were with Jesus, they saw Jesus, 
They didn't see any light or fire or some strange manifestations around them. Yet he was the moving presence of God. You don't need to feel a thing. There is something in your spirit. And that thing is the glory of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But that didn't just end there. That was your spirit, man. You have been redeemed. Your redemption is Christ. If I everything about you is Christ. Why? Because your identity is now in Christ. You, you are a partaker of the divine nature. You are a partaker of his nature, his life. But that is wonderful. It's in your spirit. Is in your spirit. That's glorious. You know, one of the beautiful things about Christianity, as you, you know, the Lord begin to reveal to us uh, our human nature, how he operates in us, the beauty of the body, soul, and spirit. It's one of the uh, one of the very practical and profound things the Lord has taught me. It's body, soul, and spirit. For example, I've just described to you, we are all the glory of the Lord. I mean, that's what the scripture says. We all beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord. Beholding, looking in a mirror and seeing the glory of the Lord. But we don't feel that way. How many of you always get up in the morning, you feel like, oh, what a wonderful day. I feel like the glory of the Lord. It doesn't happen that often. It happens once in a red, <laughs> rarely. So we don't feel that way. What about believers who live like live in sin as if they have never known the Lord? Are they saved? Huh. What about us? Those moments where we're still bound by, you know, some, some, maybe some sin is still tormenting us. Think about us. Sometimes, you know, addictive behaviors, maybe addiction, sometimes troubling believers, you know, sinful behaviors and depression and anxiety and fear and bitterness and all of these things in our soul, in our lives. It's almost like saying, Lord, are we, are we your glory or not? Is your presence in us or not? The beauty of that is found in understanding the spirit and the soul. The spirit and the soul. Our human spirit has been redeemed as we know it. We know that, yeah, I'm born again. It's wonderful. I'm redeemed. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm filled with the spirit of the Lord. But that's not all. The father goes further. He still has some work to do. Redemption is only the beginning. Christ is your redemption. In other words, you find your identity in Christ. However, he continues. He says, after redemption, after you're born again, after you're saved, you've become one with Christ. Your identity is in Christ. But that's wonderful. There's a step further, the renewal of the soul. The renewal of the soul. Let me go back to the scripture I read to you. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Listen to what it says there. We all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. As we are beholding that glory, it says that we are being transformed. We are being renewed. We are being changed. Chains are falling off our hearts. Chains are falling off our hands. You know, as we behold him, you know, chains of 
disease and fear and depression and anxiety and addictions and, you know, behaviors that have kept us bound in our soul as we behold him. There is a process that takes place. It's called a renewal. It's called a renewal. Let me share um, 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 a personal experience with you, just to explain this to you. The presence of God is in all of us as Christians. It is in all of us. But none of us feels that presence every day. But that's not the way the Lord wants it. The Lord wants you to not only have that presence in your spirit, but to feel it every single day. But why don't we? Because of the soul, our mind, the soul is our minds, our emotions, our desires, right? Our will as we, we know it, that's our soul. Why is it different? Now, the presence of God demands something that we all know. That's called holiness. It's called holiness. Oh, yeah, there's a difference between the power of God and his presence. His presence, his power can manifest even in the presence of sin. That's why sadly you can find, I've, I've seen, you know, as a young Christian, I had a hard time really understanding that. Imagine I was in a church back home for me. I'm from Cameroon in um, West Africa. Back home, and then there was a prophet, a prophet that came from a neighboring country. Great in prophecy. I was still quite young. Great in prophecy. You could see the power of God manifesting. But this prophet of God was uh, you know, messing around with sisters when he came. It was a shock to me. I was shocked to my bones. How could the gift of prophecy manifest so powerfully in a man who is living in adultery? <laughs> That's exactly what I want to talk to you about. The presence of God. His power can operate in the gifts, not that glory of his presence. Now, our spirit is transformed. The Lord started teaching me about the presence of God, how to, how to live 24-7 in the presence of God, which, brethren, that is the beauty of Christianity, the 24-7 fellowship with the presence of God. You don't, you, don't, you don't just feel that presence when you're in worship and prayer. You can be in communion with the Father 24-7. It's hard, but that is his desire. I started learning, I read a little book. I heard it from Pastor Benny Heen. It's called Practicing the Presence of God. And I went and bought it. I encourage you to read it. It's on Amazon, maybe $3. That book impacted me. I started learning that you can, you, you can indeed dwell in God's presence 24-7. And as I started practicing that, started learning to bring my thoughts, my desires, my emotions, under the submission of the word of God and under the direction of the spirit. And the spirit began to almost as an outpouring from my spirit into my soul. His, his presence starts filling my thoughts, my emotions, my being. I would sit and you feel God's presence on your body. And then something happened to me one day. Somebody got me really mad. I, I was so mad and angry. And, um, you know, 
Yep, you're mad, right? What do you do? Just let it go. It didn't go. Morning, afternoon, evening, and night. I was angry and upset. And then in the night, that anger was still burning in my heart. And then something happened to me. It was as if, you know, I felt what David felt when he cried and said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. It was as if something withdrew from inside of me and went inside deeper. I didn't lose my salvation. The Holy Ghost didn't leave me, but I felt out. it was as though I, I plunged into darkness. Something left me because in my fellowship with the spirit, I had grown. I had gone to become accustomed to God's presence and that presence was withdrawn. And out of a sudden, I felt like I plunged into darkness because I had tasted something that was, in long, that was not longer there. I, it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I, I was so scared. And then, you know, by God's grace, what was going on. And then the Lord started showing me the mystery of renewal. What happened to me was when the presence, the glory of God starts filling your soul, the soul is the part of you that is in touch with the earth is the part of you that you're in touch with. People can feel you. They can hear your words. They can know your emotions. When you talk to them, they can see you're angry, you're sad. They, the part of you that is in touch with the earth is your soul. And your soul is not in the way you think, the way you feel, and, and, and the way you, 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 you desire, your will, your emotions, and all of that. When God starts feeling your soul, what you're saying is that his presence, Shekinah, starts pouring out of your spirit into your soul. He starts feeling your thoughts, your emotions, your desires. In that instance, it is no longer permitted for you to keep, you know, sinful thoughts, having bitterness in your spirit and all of those things. That is what happened to me. I had come to the place where I have grown in my fellowship with his presence. And he has become more involved in my life in the practical aspect. And then I started walking in sin, the sin of bitterness. And what did he do? His presence will not dwell with sin. It is either he withdraws that presence or we die, like it was in the Old Testament. But he has given us grace. This is the difference between believers this is the difference between believers, brethren. All of us are saved, but there is a difference in the way our souls are. The state of our souls, the renewal of the soul is what brings out the presence, Shekinah, from within you. That people look at you, they don't see you. They say, sister, you look like Jesus. You talk like Jesus. Your love is like Jesus. That is the glory. When you touch somebody and it is as if Jesus has touched them because you are Jesus on the earth. The only way that Jesus will feel you like that is for your soul to be renewed. Otherwise, he will be in your spirit. As I typically say, nobody cares how much power you carry in your spirit because power in your spirit touches no man 
Love in your spirit affects nobody. In fact, there is power in the name of Jesus. We can sing that song and there is power in our spirit, yet we are bound with bondages. It's, I just shared my experience with you. Because your spirit is not what lives here on the earth. What lives here is that thing called the soul. And that's you. It's you, the way you think and the way you, you feel and, and the way you, your desires. The Lord wants to renew that. How does it get renewed? He starts changing your mind, changing your feelings, removing, you know, for example, I talked about bitterness and hatred and anger and frustration and lustful desires and the things that bog us inside. Those are the things that push away the presence of God not to come and be manifested. There has to be a renewal. There is no glory in the presence of sin. Yeah, you can have the gifts of the spirit manifest, like I told you. Listen, there is a greater glory than the gifts of the spirit. It is the glory of his presence and fullness. It is the glory of his presence and fullness. You want to know what his eternal plan is? He wants to fill you. He has filled your spirit, man. He wants to fill your soul. He wants to fill your body. He wants to fill your home. He wants to fill your church. He wants to fill your congregation. He wants to fill your neighborhood. He wants to take over the earth. That the cloud of God's glory will fill the earth as he did on the day the tabernacle was completed. Colossians chapter number, let me read this scripture. Glory to God. Oh, praise the name of the living God. Colossians chapter number three and verse 10. It's very similar to a scripture we have here on the renewal. Let me read that. Ephesians chapter number one and verse seven. Oh, sorry, Ephesians chapter number four, verse 23. It says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created. You see that again, after the likeness of God in true holiness and in true righteousness and holiness, the renewal. He's asking you put on the new self. Oh, you're already born again. How do you put on the new self? The renewal of the mind, the renewal of the soul. And then he explains this further in Colossians chapter number three and verse 10. The same, this similar thought. He says, and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. You see, he gives us the manner in which we are renewed. How is he renewed in knowledge? In knowledge. And then if you put that with what I quoted earlier, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse 18. This is what it says. We are with open face, beholding, looking, looking. It says, as we look at the mirror and we see the glory of the Lord, that is what produces the transformation inside of us. And Colossians tells us, explains that. It says that our renewal comes in the knowledge of Christ. You shouldn't be surprised now, right? Because Christ is the identity. The greater your revelation of Christ, the greater the glory shines. 
And the greater your mind, your soul, your, there is a renewal inside of you and you become more and more like him. There is a renewal that takes place inside of us. The Father wants to fill you. The Holy Ghost came the first time. You know, one of the things I really teach a lot, I love teaching so much, is about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The first time he came, as I explained to you, when he redeemed us, what happened? The Holy Ghost came and filled you. Shekinah filled your temple, and the cloud of God's presence filled you as it did the day the temple was completed. Nobody saw a cloud. Oh, yeah, you, you didn't see a cloud either. But do you know what? If God opened your eyes in the spirit and you saw the day you got born again, you will see that there was a cloud, like thick cloud coming and filling your temple. Oh, glory to God. That is what happened to you. You were filled with the Holy Ghost. And then there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which for time's sake, I'm not getting into the explanation of that, is the second major infilling of the Spirit that the Lord does with us. We are filled progressively. We keep getting filled, filled. And then I'll read the scripture, go back to Ephesians chapter number three. The Lord continues to fill us. Let's read from verse 14. Ephesians chapter number three from verse 14. The Lord's speaking there. It is for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Oh, I thought he's already dwelling in your heart. This is a second, this is, this is a different dimension of Christ in your heart. This is that dimension I told you about. Christ is not content to be locked up in your spirit. He's not. His desire is not to, to redeem you and keep you redeemed. You, you're saved and Christ is locked up. His desire is to get out of your spirit, fill your soul, fill your body, that the entire temple is filled and rippling with the presence of the living God, with his power and glory. He filled you initially. The day you got born again, that glory was inside. But now he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts again by faith. How? As his power begins to take over your mind take over your soul, your emotions. As his presence begins to take over you, your, the joy of the Lord is filling your spirit. Peace is filling your spirit. Kindness, the fruit of the spirit. Patience, the character of Christ is coming out. As that character is built up in you, that is Christ filling you. Christ has been formed inside of you as a fruit of the spirit. The spirit is operating in your heart, transforming you daily. And it says, Christ may dwell in your heart. Verse 18, it says, that you may comprehend with all saints. And time, so let me just rush to 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. And listen to this. Listen to this again. I'm going back to his eternal purpose. That ye may be filled 
with all the fullness of God. Oh, glory to God. You have been filled, but there is still a feeling coming. And how does the Lord perfect that feeling? As you spend time in the word, you spend time in the word. One of the things we do in our ministry is teaching about the devotional life. Because it is in the mystery of the knowledge of God that there is a renewal of your soul. Christianity is not about just being saved. It's not about just being redeemed. The Lord redeems us and renews us. And what is the purpose of renewal? Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. What a mystery. I am crucified, I'm dead, yet I'm still living. But really, I'm not really living. It is Christ living in me. The mystery, because you and Christ have become one. Listen to me. The Lord doesn't want people to see visions of him walking on the earth. He wants them to see us, you and me. He says, Philip, have I been with you so long and you do not know who I am? Because he was filled with the fullness of God. Whoever saw Jesus had seen the Father. And brethren, let me tell you, that is the purpose of God for your life. Whoever meets you meets the Father. That is the glory. You have become partakers of the living, the, the, the nature of God, the living God. You've become partakers of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of the Lord dwells in you. Nobody cares how much love and power and presence and glory is in our spirit because it touches no man. It touches no man. It is not the spirit that is in touch with the earth. It is the human soul. It is the person. He wants to renew you. As you spend time in the word of God, oh, as you are feeding on that word, Christ is manifested in knowledge. He says, as you are beholding, what does it mean to behold? It means to see. How do you see in the spirit? Seeing in the spirit is knowing. As you behold, how do you behold the renewal in the knowledge of the Lord? That's why spending time in the word of God is critical for you as a Christian. It's not just to know that God has told you do this and do that. No, the Lord is renewing you. I came to realize, you know, you know, just rushing here. Out of when I was growing up in the faith, I um, I had teachings like most of you have probably heard too. You know that the word of the Lord is a is a manual for life, right? It teaches you what to do. It tells you what to do and what not to do. It shows you where to go and where not to go. Is that true? Yes. Thy Lord, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So it's true. But listen to me, that is just a tiny little bit of it. God's word is not just there to come and tell you, choose right and choose, choose right and avoid choosing the wrong. No. In fact, the beauty of the word of God, that glory of God, is not in telling you what to do and what not to do. It is a, this 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. We all, as with, with open face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God. And as you behold that glory, it changes your emotions. It changes the way you feel about people. It will break up that addiction 
It will break up that fear. It will break up that, that anxiety. It will transform your life. As you behold in the mirror, the glory of the Lord. That is the way the Lord transforms me. That's the way he transforms you. The renewal is in the beholding. The renewal is in the knowledge. The renewal is there. When I'm, when I'm stressed up, when anxiety comes, I get into the word. That is what breaks fear. I used to be very fearful. I grew up being very fearful, timid inside. I remember I used to fight a lot with lust as a teenager, 14 years old, 15 years old. I thought that was normal for every young boy, right? I'm 15, I'm 16. Man, my mind was clouded with lust and pornographic images. I thought that was normal. I was a Christian, not growing. And I thought that was normal. I used to be afraid, bound by fear. So terrible was it that my first year in medical school, right, we were praying and the sister had a vision of me. He said, Patrick, but I hope I, I saw a vision. I saw you in a cage. You were, you were in a cage. I don't know what that cage was. You were bound. I'm like, okay, I'm saved. I can't really think of anything now. Little did I know. The Lord later showed me. Man, I was tormented by fear. Fear and anxiety and timidity. At the age of about 17, 18, glory to God. The Lord started bringing me to Ephesians chapter number one from verse 15. And he just put that desire in my heart. If I started when I was about 16, 17, I, I started praying. I did not even know a lot about the word. I was praying, Lord, please open my eyes. Open the eyes of my understanding. Open the, I was praying. It was a fervent desire. And glory to God. The spirit of the Lord opened my eyes. I began to see him in the word. I began meditating. I used to walk to school and I would be meditating on the word. Meditating on the word for about one to two years. And then one day I was walking and the spirit asked me, where are those thoughts? Those immoral thoughts? I'm like, oh, that's true. I don't know where they went. I don't know why they went. Brethren, listen to me. There is an aspect of Christianity that believers, many believers don't know. It is not by might. It is not by power. God hasn't called you to come and struggle to change yourself. He hasn't called you to come and struggle. Struggle with, you know, the bondages that we deal with inside. There is a place where the spirit of the Lord transforms us as we behold him. That is a place of beholding. That is a place of the knowledge of the word. The knowledge of the word is not theology. It's not limited to that. God is not just feeding our minds to know what to do. No, as the word comes, it is the glory that comes and it transforms you. The Lord asked me, where are those pornographic images? You thought it was normal as a young man to have those images. Now I know it is not normal. Since then, my mind has been freed. I don't struggle with that anymore. I didn't struggle with that. I didn't know how the Lord did it. All I'll tell you is that it is not by might. It is not, I wasn't, I can't come here and tell you I was dedicated. I was really, my heart was really broken. I, you know, I know I'll be lying to you. That is, I was not. I don't know how he did it. All I know is that I was looking at the glory and he did what he does best. He transformed me. We all behold it as in the glass. 
the glory of the Lord. If you will behold that glory, if Jesus will become your utmost desire, you start longing inside of you. Oh yeah, I know. It's beautiful to know the word. That word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's a baby step of the word. Those are for babies. There are dimensions of the word for babies and dimensions for the mature. Babies have commandments. Don't sin because God doesn't love sin. Hebrews calls it principles of faith. You have to repent of your sins. That is for babies in the faith. That is not a message for the mature. There is a dimension of the word that is not for babies. It is for those who are mature in the faith. It's a dimension of beholding the father in the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. When you're beholding the word, you are not just beholding literature. You are beholding the glory of the Lord in the word. And as you behold that glory, the spirit of the Lord will transform you. I remember, you know, I, I was in a meeting one day, um, you know, man, I was, I love this story. Not to criticize this brother because I've been there, right? And many of us, you, 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 you would identify with that. It was a meeting, you know, brothers who were struggling with pornography and lustful desires and, you know, some meeting. And this, um, this co-pastor, he came out and gave a testimony. And this was his testimony. He said, well, he met his pastor. He was struggling with pornography. The thing has ruined him for about 20 years or so. And he struggled with this thing for so long. He wants to be free from this addiction. The pastor says, read the Bible. The Bible will deliver you. He said, I've read the Bible from cover to cover. It did nothing to me. Oh, dear Lord. I stood, I stood there. I identified with him because I've been there too. I've, as a minister, I get emails in our ministry. You get it. Christians are struggling. Believers are struggling. Brethren, we are still struggling. It's not as if the Lord is angry with us. We are still babies. We are all growing in this thing. The Lord is not mad at us. He says, we knows that we are babies. I'm struggling with something. Maybe you're struggling with something else. Who knows what it is? You don't know what I am struggling with. What the Lord wants is that son, daughter, keep beholding the glory. So as this brother was saying that, I just sat there and said, wow, if what this brother is saying is true, Christianity is doomed. We are doomed. We are, we, we are, we are done. He says, what he's saying is that I beheld the glory. I was not changed. That's what he was saying. Yet the father has said, behold the glory and you shall be changed. Well, just to make things short, the Bible says that, you know, the word of the Lord can come and not produce any results. That we know, the parable of the sower, Hebrews chapter 4, tells us that you can receive the word of God and it makes no difference to you. But God doesn't want us to go there. So there is a place where people can read the word. You can, somebody can be an expert in theology of the New Testament, an expert of Christology, and know nothing about Christ in person. So that is not the issue here. What am I saying? That word can come in and be ineffective. But as our hearts are open, you understand, you believe, and your heart is open. If that word comes into your heart, it will renew you. Renewal is not just a transformation of our character. Like I told you, it will break chains. It will come and break chains. 
There are some of us listening, probably you are listening to me. There is a glory in your life. Maybe like me, the, the only thing that's keeping you is bitterness. You're just bitter. I'm telling you, I'm serious. Until that bitterness is come out, you will not experience that glory. You are still saved. The spirit of the Lord is in you. And where is he? He can't come to your soul and dwell with bitterness. He's going to dwell. Let me just put it this way. He's going to be locked up in the room of your spirit. And every day you, you might be there, cry, oh Lord, where are you? I feel empty. He says, daughter, I want to come. I want to come. But there is filthiness. I don't stay in a filthy house. Can't even imagine the Lord saying that to us. Or maybe it's anxiety and fear. Like, 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 like me. In fact, there are still times fear hits me. I have to go back for deliverance. <laughs> it was like, oh my, I thought this thing was over. It's not yet over completely. I still go back for deliverance. That's why, that's why I spend time in the word and in prayer. Transformed every day as you behold it. God is not, in, he's not, he's not interested in religion. He's not just excited about us, you know, getting involved in Christianity. And no, the Lord wants that glory to blossom, that ministry to come out. He doesn't want that anxiety and worry in your feelings to hinder the moving of his spirit. He doesn't want that bitterness like I kept in my heart to hinder the presence of God in your life. That the Lord our God, his glory will be seen on the earth. And to wrap this up quickly, listen, as many Christians are coming, unbelievers are getting saved. The house of God is being built. It's growing. It's growing. Listen to me, brethren. The day is coming when that the last Christian will be saved, the last sinner will be saved, and the house of God will be complete. Oh, glory to God. What happened in the days of Solomon? What happened in the days of Moses in the temple? That the glory God was excited and saying, this is it. This is my desire. He's looking forward to that day when the entire body will be completed and he will come down in his fullness and say, this is my desire. Filling every crack and crevice, every fiber of our being. We would all see his face. The fullness of him. What a day that will be. What a day that will be. So you don't have to give up. Don't, don't, don't retreat. Don't go back. Don't go back. There is glory inside of you. It doesn't matter what it is. The, the, the things that bombard our souls every day. Think, you, think about what's happening with the economy. Think about Russia. Think about you know, the, the moral decadence, the juvenile delinquency. The, 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 the things happening in the cultures. Sometimes if you look at those things, you, 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 might, be, you might be so discouraged. Now listen, the Lord says, greater is he that is, there is Shekinah inside of you. You cannot be overcome. What he wants you to do is keep getting filled. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. The Lord wants that when you speak, they don't hear you, they hear him. Yet they are hearing but you. They hear you and they say, wow. The Bible says when Stephen spoke, they said they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit by which he was speaking. That was not Philip speaking, but he was Philip. Yet it was not Philip. He was Jesus speaking with him. 
Jesus said, I will give you a mouth and wisdom that your enemies will not be able to gainsay. Imagine all of us, Shekinah, moving on the earth. Jesus walking on the earth, his hands and his feet, loving people the way he did, speaking to demons the way he did. You know, speaking with such wisdom and authority and power the way he did, that is nothing short of the glory of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. He will not cover the earth as cloud and as fire. He's going to cover the earth as you and me. The fullness of God on the earth. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I feel very pumped up right now. Each time I talk about the glory, I feel like always flying out. Right? I just feel the presence of the Lord right now. I just wonder wherever you are, can we just take a few moments? I know I've gone way, way, way into my time. But just, let's just take a few moments and just worship the Father. Just bless the Lord. Just thank him for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Thank him for the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the blessing of Christ. Thank you for bringing us into Christ. Thank you for baptizing us into the body of Christ. Thank you for, the, for making us partakers of the divine nature. Thank you for making us the glory of the Lord, that he will love us so much. Greater love hath no man than those that a man will lay down his life for his friends. Oh, glory to God. Father, we love you this evening. I said, thank you, God, every one of us. Lord, you know our struggles. You know our difficulties. You know the desires of our hearts to know you, to love you, to grow. But yes, Lord, there are many problems, different types of problems. No, just troubling us in every dimension and every direction. But Lord our God, one thing is sure. You said, I will build my church, my house, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Lord our God, the glory is coming. It's building up. We are growing. Yes, we are like babies. We're still learning what this thing is. We're still learning really how this thing works, but we are growing the Bible says that the earth is waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. Oh, and this is the time. This is the season of the sons, of the sons, the mature ones, those who are moving, moving, living manifestations of the life of Christ on the earth. Father, we say thank you. Thank you for this great family, this church family that you've raised. Just pray that your glory would increase in this house. Thank you for your servants that you're using here. Lord, I got every desire of their hearts, Lord, will be perfected. Lord, that you will build this house and that their glory indeed would overflow. I pray that this place will be indeed a place of freedom. That, oh God, the, the bound will come here and find freedom from sin, freedom from fear, freedom from addiction, Freedom from strife, freedom from division, freedom from the things that hold people bound. And in this house, there is going to be an overflow of the rivers of life, restoration of lives and destiny and marriages and ministries in this house. I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that the light of the Lord is shining brighter in this house. I declare that the river of God is flowing from this mountain 
and many will come and drink rivers from this mountain. This place will be a place where the, the, the bound will find freedom. Broken homes will be restored. Relationships will be restored in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for always sharing us in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. God bless you. Oh, God bless you. I hope I didn't go beyond my time, but such a wonderful time spending in God's presence. Over to you, Cheryl, uh, Dr. Black, always taking over. God bless you. Thank you for having me. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.